Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's still more bodies than there is roster spots. So unless the injuries really pile up during the preseason, the Giants are going to have to make some tough decisions. And when you start looking at the bottom of the list, you're starting to look at guys like Jamison Crowder, like Darius Slayton, like Colin Johnson, like Jeff Smith, who plays special teams. None of these guys are guys you necessarily want to cut or trade. But the Giants have put themselves in a position now, which is almost surreal, again, considering where they were a year ago, that they're going to have to, at some point, let a good talent go. Welcome to the show. Ryan O'Leary here, along with my good pal, Dan Benton. It's the uh, Giants Wire podcast. We're powered by the USA Today Network. You can find us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Hit subscribe for us if you can. Dan, how the hell are you? Congratulations getting through draft weekend. Exhausted. I'm still exhausted. Of course I you are. I to sleep to catch up on, but it was a lot of fun. You know, it's um, it's interesting to cover a Joe Shane draft when he's got, you know, 10 picks in tow going into the draft, you know, had money to spend in free agency. It was very anti-Dave Gettleman-like three days. So uh, it was a nice change of pace. Even even so from last year where he was a little bit more handcuffed and hand-strapped with what he's able to do in free agency and then subsequently the draft. So, yeah, it was it was, it was a great job uh, by Shane and the Giants. I applaud them. I, I think they did excellent work, got tremendous value at almost every single pick. Uh, we'll talk about some of the later picks uh, that I'm a little bit more confused with uh, later in the podcast. But overall, I, I'd give them an A. I thought they did an excellent job. They addressed uh, positions of need, almost all positions, positions of need. Uh, not everyone, but almost all of them. Uh, added tons of depth, got a lot of uh, athleticism. So again, good job all around by the Giants. Yeah, for sure. And, and we'll dive into it. I'm excited about the critical analysis coming up later, Dan. So that was a good teaser. We'll get into that here later on. Uh, but let's start with the good stuff. Uh, you know, we nailed it, right? Last in our preview pod, we said tier one needs was corner and center. And no particular order. I think, you know, we wouldn't have been surprised if they went center in the first round, but you actually said uh, correctly that you thought the centers would fall. Uh, they get the John Michael Schmitz kid uh, in the second round, which we'll talk about him coming up. But let's let's talk about the first pick. Yeah, just, that was just yeah. that was just awesome. That was just awesome. We both are in love with that pick and just how that worked out for the Giants. Instant day one starter. But let's talk about Deontay Banks, right? They trade up for this player. Joe Shane was, I thought, I appreciated his candor in his press conference, Dan. He, he kind of said, look, uh, guys were f- coming off our board. We were getting worried and we wanted to go get him, even moving up one pick to, to make sure they got Deontay Banks. Not sure if the Jaguars were even going to pick him because they picked three offensive players, I think, with their three first picks, but whatever. They went up and got their guy, viewed as a uh, a Wink Martindale kind of player, right? Everywhere you read, that's what it, it says. And then Joe Shane backed that up as well. But what do you think about Deontay Banks' corner? out of Maryland, first-round pick for the Giants. I thought that was a good pick, too. Uh, I I think the Giants and Shane were a little bit worried that maybe someone was going to try and move up into that Jags spot and take them. And the Jags showed that they were willing to trade it, right, Dan? Right, right. Yeah, yeah, so I I don't think it was Jags-specific that they were worried about there. I think it was they were worried that maybe, you know, 
their final first round grade on a player may have been banks and they needed to move up to make sure that they got him, and, and they did. And listen, like I said, uh, on the last podcast, the giants were never going to make all 10 of those picks anyway. So I, I think, you know, Shane kind of looked at it like it's a low cost option to move up with all of these seventh round picks that he had. Um, so it kind of worked out. They got the guy that was left on their board. Um, you know, I don't think he was necessarily their number one target, but it's certainly not a bad alternative option. You've got a guy who can come in and start right away across from Adoree Jackson, who can potentially move into the cornerback one role with some development and experience, especially with Jackson slated to become a free agent next year. We talked about that during the last podcast as well. Uh, that pick wasn't necessarily just about 2023. It was about 2024 and beyond. They needed to get someone in there. Uh, cornerbacks are obviously at a premium in the NFL. And there was no cornerback more athletic in terms of his RAS score than Deontay Banks, who was a 9.99, which I think put him at number three uh, overall at cornerback since 1987 when those records began to to be kept. So when you talk about pure athleticism, speed and and talent combined, that's that's a great pick. And, uh, you know, obviously he might take a little while to develop. There are some limitations to his game but when you have that level of athleticism the sky's the limit uh shane saw that and the giants went and got him why is he a schematic fit for wink martindale because he's a man coverage guy right and, man cover yeah great man cover guy. and he's not scared dan i think when you look at deontay banks like like you said test tested awesome good size good length he's not a player who shies away from the top competition kind of wears that right on the field you can mm-hmm. kind of see it with the way he carries himself kind of carries himself like he's a badass you know what i mean like I, he's the best guy he's going to shut this guy down that's i think that's what the giants are getting with with deontay banks right he's not scared he's going to want the competition he's going to want the best guy on the other side i think he's that kind of corner mentally so giants fans might like this kid oh yeah they're going to like him and he's going to come in and work with jerome henderson who's arguably one of the best assistant coaches in the league and he's going to get the best out of this guy and that kind of attitude is going to carry him a long way because you you got some tough matchups in the NFC East, and you better want them because if you don't want them, you're going to get burned. You're going to get beaten. And I think you know that 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 he excels in man coverage is really going to help the defense as a whole because it's going to allow you know the edge rushers and even some of the blitzers just to pin their ears back and go and not worried about getting uh you know beat deep. And listen, he will get beat deep a couple times. It's just the nature of of a man cover corner who is extremely aggressive. They're going to get beat sometimes. It's kind of like. Uh, in the way that, you know, uh, Dominic Rogers Camardi played at times with the Giants where he, w- he would get super aggressive, get beat deep, and then immediately rebound on the next series with an interception or something like that. So I can I can see that with Banks a little bit. Uh, but it's definitely, like you said, it's going to help with Martindale's defense considerably uh, just because they're going to be able to put him out there on an island and trust that he's going to do his job and do it well. Now, the the idea of wink scheme fits is something that, resonated with you dan coming out of this draft right uh, i think joe shane slash the giants said the same thing for jordan riley right they snagged him in the seventh round defensive tackle said he was a scheme fit for wink martindale right so w- why did that get your antenna up right the the scheme fit we heard joe shane actually he kept saying it that's why it's on my it's on the top of my brain right schematic fit schematic fit we heard that all the time why did that resonate with you i think it resonated so much because leading up to the draft shane was very specific in stating that we understand that we want to draft for a scheme fit, but you've got to make sure 
that you don't draft solely for Wink Martindale because he has the potential to get a head coaching job next <laughs> right, year. Exactly. And, and you don't want to be left with players that are specific only to his defense. And then they went into the draft and picked players that are very specific to his defense. Now, I think that Banks obviously is athletic and talented enough that he can move around in, in different kinds of defenses. I don't know necessarily that that's the case for Jordan Riley, who very well could have been had as an undrafted free agent. I think of all of the picks that were made, he's the one that kind of led me to raise my eyebrow a little bit because I just didn't necessarily believe that they needed to take him in the position that they did. But it kind of goes back to, I, I believe it was Ernie Acorsi's old theory, it's uh, size in the world. And you don't get guys that big very often. So when you have an opportunity to take them, there are precious few of them out there. And I think that's kind of the approach that that Shane took. And it does fit necessarily for, you know, Wink's defense because they could plug him in at nose tackle, spelling, you know, Dexter Lawrence. And then you have this huge big body guy that's even with Lawrence on the sidelines going to be able to eat up two blockers and clog lanes. And that was a big issue that the Giants had last year. So I, I think that they looked at Riley in terms of size alone and said, let's get this guy in. Let's develop him. He'll fit in Wink's defense. Um, you know, he'll be able to, like I said, spell Dexter, give him some time off, uh, join that rotation and, and just clog lanes uh, just by being who he is. And, and, you know, then he'll only get better from there. Yeah, I think seventh round's a good time to pick guys for scheme anyway, right? That's a great time to pick guys that yeah. you think fits your system. I, I, like I said, though, I think you could have had him as an undrafted free agent, but maybe, you know, maybe the Giants had some insight that, that some other teams, you know, viewed him as a priority undrafted free agent. Again, just because the size is so unique, it's, you, you don't come across guys that big that often. So I, I could see specifically where they, uh, that appeal came from. Yeah, a buddy of mine said, just draft the freak, right? So if you got a guy who's freakishly big, just draft him. Just draft him and see what happens. So I, I, I like that. Not going to complain about that at all. Uh, and Dan, this could be a drinking game. Every time I say scheme fit, you, you take a drink. You'd be hammered by the end of this episode. Uh, so <laughs> just to hammer home day one for the Giants. So Shane moves up one spot, gives up a fifth and a seventh. People were kind of debating on Twitter at the time. Was that a panicked move? Was it the right move? Uh, what do you think, Dan, with the way the rest of the draft played out? Was that... You, you sound like you're fine with it, right? The way that played out. But, you know, he did give up two picks to move up one spot. So it did have people going back and forth on social media. Yeah. yeah go ahead. So it was a weird criticism. It was a weird criticism because it was a late seventh round pick. And it was a pick that, like I said, going into the draft, they were never going to use anyway. They like could, a throw they, in. They couldn't, yeah. make, they couldn't make 10 picks. So they had to trade some of those picks. And what did they really end up losing out on? Like they didn't, they didn't really end up losing out on anything um, with that, with that first trade. You could make the argument with the second trade that they may have lost out on something because you end up, you know, short on a fourth round pick and in a in a draft that was very top heavy at, at multiple positions. But you know, then they turn around and and in round five and get Eric Gray anyway, which was tremendous value at that pick. So I, I don't have any issue with anything that Shane did during this draft. But again, I went into the draft understanding that they weren't going to be able to make those 10 picks. So you might as well make the trades when you can make them. And that's what Shane said after the draft. Listen, we had the assets. We had the opportunity. We weren't going to make all those picks. So why not use them? Why not climb the ladder and get the guy that you're targeting? And that's exactly what they did. Well, the draft definitely fell in their lap kind of as the, as it went on into day two uh, to get John Michael Schmitz, Dan in the second round. Uh, it's, it's, once we got on the phone here, I said it was my favorite pick. You you said the same thing, your favorite Giants pick. Uh, mm-hmm. This one just 
was perfect. Instant day one starter. They did not have to reach for him in the first round. You know, as you said in our preview episode, that'd be a reach. These setters would probably be available later on. They were. Uh, Phil's arguably the biggest need on the team. Player many, mm-hmm. and, and just it's such a big need that he's a player. A lot of people mocked the Giants in the first round, right? So on paper, feels like a perfect included. pick. Yeah. yeah, yeah, sure, you had to. So on paper, it feels like yeah. a perfect pick, right, Dan? I, I certainly believe so. It, it, when you look at what the Giants needed going into the draft and what they got coming out of the draft. there was, And I think this maybe even applies to all teams across the board. I don't think there was a more perfect fit for a team at a position of need than John Michael Smith at center for the Giants in round two. So I, I'm ecstatic with that pick. He, listen, that's a guy who's going to come in. I, and I know Brian Dayball says everybody's got to earn their job, and he will. He'll earn his job because he's that kind of guy. But he's going to come in. He's going to anchor that offensive line. He's going to start at center on day one. And this kid has 10-year all-pro potential all over him. He's that good of a player. I know there are some scouting reports out there that kind of downplay his ability a little bit, um, but, but I think that's unwarranted. He's an extremely talented player. Uh, he has a high football IQ, a nonstop motor. He's he's dedicated. He's smart, tough, dependable, all the things that Dayball and the Giants want. He, he's an ideal fit. He has, he, he's, he's the kind of guy that's going to end up being the captain of the team. He's going to be a regular all-pro. He's going to be a regular pro bowler. And, and 10 years from now, you're going to look back and say, boy, the Giants really got the maximum value out of that pick. Yeah, it's just a position that the casual fan doesn't think about too often, but it's just so important. Center's such an important position. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to take so much pressure off of DJ, too. Like, you know, because... You know, Smith is going to come in. It may take him a year or two, but he's going to he's going to grasp not just the playbook, but the understanding of of scheme concepts and blitzing concepts and looks and and disguises. And, and he's going to call out the protections. He's going to take that pressure off of DJ and allow DJ just to focus on what he needs to do uh, under center and with the ball in his hands. So, like I said, I think it's a great fit for the Giants. I think long term, it's going to be it's going to turn out to be one of the best picks in this entire draft. Agreed. When they got him in the second round, I just kind of threw my hands in the air and said, all right, Giants are winning. Like they're winning this draft. Like this was what a what a best case scenario. And I like to. I mean, about- how long has it been? It's been since Sean O'Hara that they had a center that they could just plug in and not think about. Exactly. And, and so. I liked what you said earlier uh, with Brian Dayball said everyone's going to have to earn it. Yeah. It, uh, Schmitz is going to earn himself uh, as the day one starts. <laughs> yeah. He's going to be right there. Yeah. Day one. There's, we know that's coming. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So. All right, so that gets us into the third round, Dan. You mentioned it earlier. The Giants move up, and it, they they get Jalen Hyatt, the wide receiver out of Tennessee. He was mocked all over the place. You know, pe- some people had him a, as a first round talent. Others had him going earlier than this. Other had him going later than this. Right? He's all over the place. Nobody really knows. It's because of him playing at Tennessee, and people don't think he's a well rounded enough receiver. That's where I what's what I read about him all over the place. But it, it just felt like the Giants. We're not going to go into day three without drafting a wide receiver. They want, they wanted to get another rookie wide receiver. They wanted to, they clearly have a goal of increasing the competition at that position. They want to have mm-hmm. a, a kind of a crazy camp battle at that position, which we'll get into here later. It's really fascinating to look at all the wide receivers that are on this roster right now. Uh, but Jalen Hyatt trading up, giving up that fourth rounder to go get him. Your thoughts, Dan? You know what I find really interesting about that is I do agree with you with the notion that they wanted another wide receiver coming out of that drift. But if Hendon Hooker doesn't get taken earlier in that round and he's continuing the fall, I don't think the Giants make that trade up for Hyatt. Ooh, I like I this take. Go on. on their hands. 
I, I think they sit and I think they wait to see if Hooker falls all the way down to him because if he had fallen to them at their original pick in round three, they would have taken Hendon Hooker and not his teammate Jalen Hyatt instead. But once he got pulled off the board, the Giants looked at what they had left on their big board. Hyatt was there. They weren't playing any games. They weren't going to risk it. They traded up and grabbed the guy that was next on their board. And that just happened to be, you know, Hooker's teammate from Tennessee. And it turned out to be a good value pick because, you know, you can knock them all day long about, you know, being a quote unquote scheme fit at Tennessee. I think that's a, a weak argument because every player that excels in a specific scheme is because it's built for their specific skill set. So, you know, anytime in the NFL or even in college, when you hear that, oh, he's only excelling because he's into the scheme that works for him. That's how it works in the NFL, too. Good players don't play well in schemes that don't fit their skill set. So I, I kind of you can miss me with that whole argument. If you want to, you know, you want to question Hyatt and his route running ability. Yes, it needs to develop considerably at the next level. Right now, he is relying very heavily on speed. But with the Giants in a deep wide receiver room, they can use that to their advantage while they continue to develop them. So he can come in, use that speed, make an impact while the team works with him on his route running and rounding out the rest of his game. And in round three, I think that's a tremendous value pick. If they would have picked him in round one or two, I wouldn't have been nearly as high on it. But in round three, you can't make, you can't argue against that pick. That's a great, tremendous value pick. Again, another RAS score for Hyatt, a speedster, a Deshaun Jackson-like player who's going to be able to take the top off of defenses and give Daniel Jones a legitimate deep threat. So I think all around that was a great pick, but not necessarily one that would have been made if Hooker was still on the board. Oh, I love that take. That would have been, if they got Hendon Hooker, that would have just been so great for content, Dan. That would have been so fun. (laughs) Oh, man, that would have just got people riled up. It would have been perfect. Uh, But we'll take Jalen Hyatt. This is... this. You know, this seems like a fine pick to me. Could he could he help them in the return game, Dan, right away? I yeah, mean, that was another sneaky, absolutely. you know, kind of low-key need for them is like who's returning the kicks. Yeah. Uh, well, he very well might have to. I mean, when you start looking at their the wide receiver depth on the team, all of a sudden there's a lot of names there. And you're gonna have to find your not that he wouldn't find his way into the roster anyway. You're not going to invest. You're not going to trade up and invest a third-round pick into a player and then cut him. That was that's never going to happen. But the Giants are going to need some of their wide receivers, uh, given how many there are, to produce on special teams. And Hyatt just you know he has experience as a return man. And the Giants they obviously need that uh, without Richie James coming back. So that created another hole. And, and why not put that speedy, shifty Hyatt back there if he's going to be limited? And what he does as far as his offensive role anyway, as he develops into a better route runner and scheme fit, then why not use him in other places where he could potentially break a game open for you? And that would be at kick return and part return. So you're going to see him as a sporadic deep threat and you're going to see him potentially as a return man. And, you know, he can excel at all of those individual roles as he, you know, like I said before, rounds out his game. All right, Dan. So you had a chance to sleep uh, between the third and fifth rounds, right? You finally got to go on vacation during the draft yeah, just, right. just kidding <laughs> but we had to wait a while on day three for the Giants pick to come up they end up with Eric Gray uh, the running back out of Oklahoma there was kind of a, a run on running backs uh, towards the end of day two I think right but you you still love the value they got with this player we'll have you talk about him I mean we talked about this position in our draft preview episode it's a nice time to draft a running back on day three I think you know with with what's going on with Saquon Barkley you know, we both feel like Saquon's going to be with the team playing football this year. Like, we're not worried about that. But, you know, there's some the future. We don't know. So it's a good time to draft right. a, a running back, especially on day three. That's when I like to draft my running backs. 
it was it was interesting once you get to this point in the draft. We're on day three. We haven't drafted a tackle, which I I had all the way up in tier two of my needs. Right, right. That's how that's how worried about tackle depth I was there. But you said no, 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 no. It's too high, and you were right because they didn't draft a tackle. <laughs> so good job schooling me on our previous episode about our draft needs tiers. <laughs> Dan I had to give you credit for that. I also had safety up there. They didn't take a safety till the seventh round. So you were right. Uh, of, as always, the great Danton. Uh, so I, I learned a few things there. But uh, you know, running back, I'm never going to be pissed about this pick. It makes perfect sense, but they could have gone edge. They could have gone offensive tackle, you know, could have gone with another interior offensive lineman. You know, there was a couple different ways they could have gone there. They go running back. What do you think about it? I think a lot of people were surprised. I didn't go interior offensive line again, but I, I, I had been saying it and, 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 you know, listen, Shane to his credit is very transparent and he is very high on some of the players they have that fill those interior needs. So after they drafted Smith, I didn't think they were going to go back inside and it turns out that they didn't. And I think that speaks to volumes about what Shane and Dayball expect from players like Joshua Zudu, uh, Shane Lemieux, Ben Bredesen, who they're extremely high on. They, they, you know, they really, really like his game. Um, so I think they're going to rely heavily on those guys. I think they were very honest and transparent about it. And, you know, when push came to shove, they needed another running back. So they went out and got a very talented one who had his best season last year, who's, you know, he's not necessarily the best in anything, but he is good in just about everything. Um, you know, he can pass block. He has good hands out of the backfield when the ball comes his way. He runs strong. He breaks tackles. He's not, you know, lightning fast, but he's certainly not slow. So he gives the Giants a well-rounded back to mix in behind, you know, Saquon Barkley and Matt Breda and, you know, compete with Gary Brightwell this this offseason and see where see where things fall. But I think it's, it was a pretty good addition, especially when you start looking ahead. You know, Breda, free agent next year, Saquon on the franchise tag, uncertainty about a long-term deal with him, Brightwell under contract for only two more years. So, you know, again, that was one of those picks where I think Shane was looking down the road a little bit, uh, get a chance to bring in a talented guy with some upside, uh, develop a little bit and see where, you know, see where the pieces fall. But I think he's a guy who's going to come in. He's going to produce immediately as a rookie. Uh, may not be, you know, any kind of major production, but he's going to come in there as a spellback. He's going to work as part of a committee, give Saquon some, you know, some fresh legs on the sideline, uh, spell Brado when necessary. I think just all around it's, it's, it was a good pick and it's going to, it's a, you know, it's a talent that's going to give the defenses a little bit, something a little bit different than what Barkley and Breda do. So the Giants, they double dip uh, or they double down, I should say, on corner, which, you know, I, I get, you know, that was a huge position of need coming in. Six rounder, they picked this Trey Hawkins kid out of Old Dominion. We mentioned Jordan Riley, the seventh rounder, the giant defensive tackle out of Oregon. They added Gervarius uh, Owens, a safety out of Houston that kind of rounded out the class. I was surprised, Dan, my number one surprise and i know you had some takes on the end of this draft which you know i'm excited to get your take on this edge uh, i was looking for edge depth in this uh, that was yep. also on my tiers yeah. there's not much behind cave on thibodeau and aziz or Jalari, right um and then, sorry if i butchered that name aziz sorry my bad uh there's not a ton of depth behind those guys not a ton of like trading camp battles to watch right now <laughs> so and they're they're both guys that have been in and out of the lineup a little bit so I thought edge would have been something they addressed in the draft. They they didn't do that. Uh, so that's one of my second guesses. Uh, but what's mm-hmm. yours in, in the way the, the bottom half of this draft played out? Yeah, I, I agree. I really thought they would add edge at some point. Um, 
I, maybe the board just didn't fall the way that they wanted it to. I thought it was very odd that Army's Andre Carter didn't get drafted. Um, I really did expect the Giants to take a flyer on him late in the draft. Granted, he's a developmental talent. That's just the nature of service academy guys. Um, they're not able to commit to football fully in college at Army or any of the other service academies. So it does take them a year or two to kind of develop and become what you know they're capable of being. But the ceiling on him is so potentially high that I was surprised that the Giants didn't take a chance or you know aggressively pursue him as an undrafted free agent. Instead, they went with Trey Hawkins and, and as you said, Javarius Owens. Um, those picks, I'm not going to knock either one of them, though, because, again, when you look at the RAS, these guys are supremely athletic uh, and really boost that athleticism for the Giants on defense. Um, you know, Owens is a guy, an AFC executive recently said, can come in on start and start in day one. He might be this end up being the steal of the draft. Hawkins, again, at a position of need, they're going to need to develop a little bit. He's got to round out his game, but his his athleticism scores are just off the charts. And the Giants really want to catch up with modern NFL on both sides of the ball. And what they needed was versatility, speed, and athleticism. And every single one of these skill position or cornerbacks or defensive backs that they went for uh, perfectly fit that mold. They're, they're speedy. They're supremely athletic. I mean, top tier, top percent in terms of athletic scoring and obviously provide a whole lot of versatility uh, for Wink Martindale on the defensive side of the ball. So although they didn't add edge and we may see them add, you know, an edge rusher, a veteran edge rusher now that, you know, it's past the draft and any signings don't count towards the compensatory pick formula. Uh, so you might see him add the edge there, but I'm not going to knock, I'm not going to knock Hawkins. I'm not going to knock Owens Hawkins. You know, he seems in line for a job, down the line a little bit. And like the ASC executive said, Owens can come in and produce immediately on special teams and then in, in the secondary. So again, great value picks for Joe Shane and the Giants. Yeah, I think your 30,000 foot view of this draft class, Dan, is you're happy, right? I think you texted me, Joe Shane is the freaking man or something like that. During the draft. <laughs> he did a great job. There's no doubt about it. Riley is really the only head scratcher. And when you really drill it down, when you're talking about a 6'6", you know, 330 pound freaking Massive. injury, you kind of understand why they made that pick. So <laughs> Absolutely massive right and you know we could second guess any any pick uh, you know people can go back and forth you know maybe did you have to draft a running back uh, maybe not but we know why they did it maybe, at least you can wrap your head around why they did so uh mm-hmm. yeah not not too much to bitch about i think uh, especially with the way day one and day two kind of fell for the giants getting a, a you know a, a starting cornerback getting a day one starter at center getting a, a potential stud at wide receiver you know, that kid won the Belitikoff Award as the nation's number one wide receiver this year in college football. So Jalen Hyatt can play. Uh, and so when you actually look at, yeah, when you actually look at it and think down the line, listen, like you said, Banks, Smiths, they're going to come in and start on day one. Hyatt, he's going to fill a role this year, but down the line, he's the kind of guy that could potentially start for the Giants. Eric Gray, depending on what happens you know, with Saquon and, and the running back market moving forward, he's a guy that has the potential to maybe start if, you know, things, if the wheels come off. You know, ideally, the Giants won't want that to happen. You know, they're going to want to keep Barkley in tow. Uh, but if something does go wrong there, he's a guy who could step in and start. Trey Hawkins, great developmental talent, has the potential to start down the line. Owens could start year one. Uh, Riley, 
probably not ever going to be a starter in the NFL, but a good rotational guy. So when you look at their seven picks, they potentially have five or six starters down the line. So this wasn't just a great draft for 2023. This is a great draft for the Giants moving forward. And that's precisely what they needed out of it. That's precisely what they need out of the guys they got last year. And I think so far, Shane is two for two so long as these guys can stay healthy, which was the big issue last year. For sure. The good news is they have a lot of bodies, especially at wide receiver, Dan. Now let's circle back to this topic. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So when you actually like look at the depth chart, put it on paper and and just looking at the offense, especially the new look offense, the giants have, uh, you know, with Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, obviously at tight end. Now you have Darren Waller with Daniel Bellinger. You add uh, John Michael Schmitz at center. So you got Andrew Thomas. We might have a little bit of competition with Shane Lemieux at left guard, like you said earlier, but you know, Mark Lewinsky at right guard seems pretty set. Evan Neal at right tackle. Uh, First of all, he's going to have to be the man now, Dan, right? Trading wheels Absolutely. comes off for Evan Neal because they didn't draft it off of the tackle. Yep. 100%. Yeah, listen, he was going to have to improve whether or not they, they drafted a tackle or not. Like, Because you're starting to you're starting to see the beginning stages of a solid offensive line, maybe even a really good offensive line. But listen, you got Andrew Thomas, who they picked up his fifth-year option. Make sure we put that in there. Not that that came as any surprise. They want to work on a long-term deal with him and hopefully get that done sooner rather than later. He's going to be locked in at left tackle for the foreseeable future. He's an all pro every single year. He's that kind of talent. Uh, they have a high, you know, belief in their in their left guards, whether that be a Zudu, whether that be Lemieux. Again, I say that they're very high on Bredesen. They love him. Um, maybe one of those guys supplant Mark Lewinsky at right uh, right guard. If they do great, if they don't, he's at least an average to slightly above average right guard in, in some aspects. Um, not somebody that they really have to worry about too much. Smith's now their starting center for the long term. So that leaves Evan Neal out there at right tackle. Um, and, and they can't have that weakness at that, you know, at that side because they need to protect Daniel Jones. They need to give him time. Uh, they can't have those kind of errors and those mistakes that that Neal was making a year ago. So he's gonna have to step up his game. I, I have faith in him. I always believed that he was gonna make that second year leap. I think. People really undersold the impact of the injuries that he dealt with last year. It's hard enough to come into the league as a rookie offensive tackle, especially in the NFC East, and make it look good. And then on top of that, you have to deal with all these injuries. So I'm willing to give him his mulligan. And I do think he's going to come back and be better. But he's he has to come back and be better, uh, whether I believe it or not. So he is kind of a key to make this whole thing go, uh, especially when going back to the wide receivers. They're going to need to have time to – to get open, to create that separation, to get their spacing. It's going to be a whole kind of new look offense for the Giants this coming season. So, yeah, I think I think Neil really is going to have to hold it down at right tackle or it could potentially create some problems. Yeah, it's like when you you built the house out of cards as a kid, Dan. You know, if, if Evan Neal, yeah. if he continues to struggle like he did last year, especially right. towards the end of the year, yeah, things start falling down on you. Uh, every, every chain is only as strong as its weakest link. So Yeah, that's a great way to put it. So... So that's the the, the off, offensive line looks different. Obviously, the tight end room looks a lot different with uh, like a stud like Darren Waller in there. And now the wide receiver yeah. room, especially Dan, is completely overhauled. And there are just they're just names all over the place. When you put it on paper, it's it's like okay, you're, you're what's the potential depth chart if you want to go way too early depth chart for the Giants? Right? It's like all right, some combination of Isaiah Hodgins, Paris Campbell, Darius Slayton, Slayton Jalen Hyatt. Jamison Crowder. Now you still have Sterling Shepard and Wandale Robinson coming off injuries. So they might start on the pup or, or IR or whatever, but 
Yeah. They'll be in the mix at some point. And then there's other guys. You signed Jeff Smith. Uh, Colin Johnson's still on the roster. I, I I have no idea who Khalil Khalil Pimpleton is, but you were telling me you like that player. Uh, Dan, yeah. there are so many freaking wide receivers on this team. You can't keep yeah, them all. You can't stash them on the... Not even, yeah, you right. can't really stash them on and the practice we're not, even including, yeah. we're not even including Bryce Ford Wheaton. We got to throw him in there because right. yes. that was a tremendous value signing as an undrafted free agent. I really thought he would go in the mid-rounds. Kind of surprised he didn't. I understand there's inconsistencies in this game, but when you talk about the potential for a true X, he's certainly that guy. So yeah, it, there's there's a whole lot of names that the Giants have right now, and, and ironically, what that means is at some point or another, they're going to have to cut good players because you're not going to be able to stash these guys on your practice squad. It's just not going to work out that way. So it's it's a weird situation for the Giants to be in, given where they were last year uh, throughout the season. But yeah, when you look at it on paper. Um, there's there's more names than they could fit on this roster for sure. It's unbelievable. So I think the number one camp battle that I'm going to be paying attention to is freaking wide receiver. How does this shake out? Uh, who become yeah. the main guy? And another who plays special teams? Because usually Dan, your your sixth wide receiver on the on the 53 usually plays special teams, right? So is that is that going to be Hyatt, right? Like we talked about earlier. I don't know, but someone's going to have to get phased out here. Uh, and, and maybe yeah. they keep guys, and then you got Sterling Shepard and, and Wandale Robinson coming back. What what happens with those guys? You know, could they could they trade somebody? Like they just have so many players. So how that shakes up it that that one is super fascinating coming out of the draft, especially how it shakes out a wide receiver. This was uh, a major concern for us last year. And now I don't know if we st- we still don't have that dominant number one guy, but we have all these names, and it's like, oh, I don't. I don't want to lose this guy. I don't want to lose that guy either. Oh, I don't want to, you know what I mean? It's just like you put mm-hmm. it on paper and it's your head starts spinning. I think we're going to have to have an official Giants wire uh, wide receiver spreadsheet to keep track of all <laughs> these guys because there's there's just yeah. not enough room on the depth chart for all these players. I think it's the nature of the NFL. So I think one of the things, I, I hate to say benefit because that just doesn't sound right, but I think one of the things that are going to benefit the Giants is that injuries are going to happen, and because of the depth, they're going to be able to immediately cover that up. Right. Um, you don't obviously you don't want that to happen. And again, benefit may not be the right word for that, but it is a security blanket that the Giants now have that didn't exist before. So if a guy gets hurt during OTAs, during mini camp, during training camp, during the preseason, that they, they do have the depth to cover that up, and they can stash guys on injured reserve. Obviously, I, I don't think that Sterling Shepard or Wendell Robinson are going to start the season. I mean, both of them have indicated that they potentially believe that they could, but I don't necessarily think the Giants are going to rush them into that, given the depth that they have. They're going to let those guys get fully healthy. Agreed. Um, and again, they've got, you know, the guy Wheaton, who's coming off of uh, being undrafted, who has the potential to come in and earn a spot. But still, even when you, when you consider the fact that Shepard and Robinson may start the season on injured reserve. There's still more bodies than there is roster spots. So unless the injuries really pile up during the preseason, the Giants are going to have to make some tough decisions. And when you start looking at the bottom of the list, you're starting to look at guys like Jamison Crowder, like Darius Slayton, like Colin Johnson, like Jeff Smith, who plays special teams. None of these guys are guys you necessarily want to cut or trade, but the Giants have put themselves in a position now which is almost surreal, again, considering where they were a year ago, that they're going to have to, at some point, let a good talent go. No doubt about it. That's fascinating. We'll be paying attention to that throughout training camp. It's going to be going to be really fun to see how that shakes out. Intriguing, uh, to say the least. Now, So what? many options. Oh. I, th- I think it's great for the Giants offensively because 
again, when you start going down the list, Isaiah Hodgins, Paris Campbell, Robinson, Shepard, Slayton, Crowder, Hyatt, Johnson, uh, Wheaton, Jeff Smith, these are all guys that don't necessarily do the same thing. There's, you know, there's obviously the argument that, oh, Hyatt and Robinson are the same player, and they're all these slot guys. All of these guys do what the Giants have not done in years, and that's create separation and are good at creating spacing on the field, which is going to give Daniel Jones, who has become much quicker in his decision-making, a whole lot of options, especially when you start running Hyatt down down the field and he's just pulling safeties back with him. And all of a sudden you got Darren Waller over the center of the, uh, over the center of the field. It's like, what does a defense do? You can't cover all these guys. It's just not possible. So it's, it's definitely an improvement on where they were a year ago. And I'm excited to see what, what comes up, especially when Shepard, who is still their best route runner by miles gets back onto the field. I think it's really exciting. The potential is off the charts. Yeah. Shepard's a hell of a player. (laughs) If he's healthy, I mean, come on. Uh, yeah, no, you and you said it to me earlier today, Dan, before we hit record. It's just, you know, they are going to improve at wide receiver. They are going to put these guys on the field. They're all going to compete, and the best guys are going to win, like Dayball said all season mm-hmm. last year for every position, and that's going to be a thing at wide receiver, right? So uh, they are going to improve at, the, improve at that position next year, and I'm I'm here for it. And I'm very excited to see Darren right. Waller as well. Not I think We don't want to, you know forget about Darren Waller. Yeah, it, too. it's so weird. <laughs> it's so weird to have this conversation and Darren Waller almost gets overshadowed at this point. Seriously. When he was their biggest when he was their biggest offseason acquisition and will clearly be their number one target this season. But that just shows you how deep they've managed to get at this position somehow. It's fun. It's fun. It's fun to see uh the new regime kind of putting their fingerprints on the roster a little bit. It's changing. Um and I'm here for it. So let's end it here, Dan. Uh the Giants and Saquon Barkley, they started talking again. This came out like, did it come out like right at the end of the draft? You guys are still like crunching yeah, on your the, articles. The draft wasn't even over yet. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are still grinding away on G- at Giants Wire. And all of a sudden you're like, crap, we got to switch gears. We got to write a Saquon Barkley story. Uh, now, Joe Shane said, quote, we'll talk this coming week. Now that the draft is over, we'll reconvene and see if it makes sense or not through dialogue with his representative. So Joe Shane not telling us much there as you know. He's kind of doing the diplomatic thing, which is fine. Uh, If these talks do start up again, uh, Dan, Shane has added even more leverage with Eric Gray entering the mix, right? So that might add a little little something to the negotiations. I don't know. Maybe the Saquon feel a certain way about that. But what do you think? What do you you think? um, What's your take on these contract, you know, them talking contract details again? What's your take on that? Well, Shane actually, just to put it out there, Shane actually reached out to Saquon during the draft and told them they were going to draft Eric Gray. So they they made him aware that that was going move. to happen. So there was there was no surprise there. Um, but as far as the negotiations, it, it's kind of funny because prior to the draft, Shane was like, oh, it's tabled, we're doing franchise, moving on. And now it's kind of like, ah, oh, maybe we'll, re- we'll reconvene and start talking again. That's how business plays out in the NFL. Uh, both sides spew nonsense to the media when they're trying to, you know, negotiate and get their best position possible. Um, I still don't necessarily believe Saquon is in a good position. I don't think the addition of Gray changes that. He's got to come down on his demands. He's not going to get that top end contract that you know he thought he he warranted. He should have taken the Giants' thirteen million dollar offer because the running back market killed him. You know, blame that on the agent. That that was a poor that was a poor gamble on their part. Uh, but in reality, the Giants want him long-term. He wants to be there long-term. At some point or another, the two sides are just going to have to settle down to get things done. And they will, right? They will. I, I see. I believe they will. I, I believe they will. I do. I think it'll work out. I think Saquon Barkley will be uh, part of this 
new look offense for the Giants this year. It's going to be fun. So, uh, all right. So there's our there's kind of our draft recap. It's uh, uh, you must be exhausted, Dan. You've been grinding away pre-draft, during the draft, after the draft. Uh, do you get to take a nap now until schedule day? Like <laughs> what goes on? With I, you I do not. The Giants hold rookie minicamp on Friday and Saturday, oh, so geez. we get right back into the <laughs> right back into the grind. All right. Well, schedule day is coming up, and it, so that's always a fun episode where we could start finding a path for the Giants, right? So maybe yeah. we'll, maybe maybe we'll have to do that in a couple weeks. So that's how good to you. Much more difficult schedule this year than last year. That's for sure. Yeah, the NFC East is good all of a sudden. That's weird. What the hell's going on with that? Yeah, they might be the best in the. I know, might be the best division in football. I think so, I, think so. I mean, I hate the. I hate that the Eagles got that much better. Too. I was just gonna say, like, we try. haven't mentioned uh, yeah, the no, Eagles no. just with Jalen Carter falling in their lap. It's like, can't, oh my gosh, I can't stand it. Like, I hate, I hate how much better they got. You, just when you think the Giants are closing the gap, Howie and company figure it all out. Uh, yeah, they they've got a they've got a wide window again. All of a sudden, it is wild, you, and that's what I think makes the draft so fun, Dan. Like. You got the Bears sitting there, right? The Bears, like the Eagles are the team everybody's chasing in the NFC. And you just say, oh, yeah, sure. Come on up and get uh, Jalen Carter. You know what I mean? Like potentially the best overall player in the draft. Go ahead. Come take the player uh, and and just put him on that defense. Oh, God. Yeah, it is scary. It is scary. The good thing, thing, though, that, you know, Giants fans need to take into consideration. There are only so many snaps to go around, you know? So you can load up all you want to at, at these positions, but there are only so many snaps to go yep. around. So yep. which one of those guys is going to set their egos aside and be okay with being rotational guys when they could be superstars at, on any other team? So maybe that creates its own sort of havoc and, and saves the rest of us in the NFCs. <laughs> it's going to be fun. So for Dan Benton, I'm Ryan O'Leary. Thanks as always for joining us on the pod. Check out Giants Wire. I've never seen so many articles like Literally this morning, trying just to pull up the graphic with all the draft picks. So it was in front of me, Dan. I had to scroll for like 10 minutes. That's how many articles you guys have posted in the last couple of days. There is just so much content right on Giants Wire. And it's just you just click on it. There's no ads. It just pops right up. You read the article and you go on with your day. You have to log in. You have to do anything. It's just a great little service you guys provide. So I appreciate you, Dan. Um, and we will be back in a... In, Maybe a couple weeks to talk more Giants offseason. Maybe maybe talk about the schedule. If Dan wants to break yep. down the rookie mini camp, fine. We'll do that too. You know what I mean? We'll do we'll do it all. And we will catch you all then. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.